Hello and welcome to Moonshot, a show by Sequoia India and Southeast Asia that profiles innovative startups and inspiring founders who are dreaming big, making an impact and driving change across the region. I'm your host, Dewi Fabri, and throughout this podcast, we'll be introducing you to founders and thought leaders who are helping shape the region's startup ecosystem. We hope this podcast will give you fresh ideas on how to start and scale an enduring company. India's manufacturing sector contributes close to 18% of the country's GDP. It's an industry that's on the cusp of change as workers upskill and companies digitize processes to improve their capabilities. In 2018, Acharya, together with three co-founders, launched Zetwork, a B2B manufacturing network that offers companies manufacturing solutions across a wide range of products. On this episode of Moonshot, we chat with Amrit Acharya, co-founder and CEO of Zetwork, and Shailesh Lakhani, managing director at Sequoia India, about how the startup is taking a bold bet to bring a centuries-old industry into the digital age. Amrit, Shailesh, thank you both so much for joining us today. First of all, Amrit, in the simplest terms, what does Zetwork do? Uh, I know you do a variety of things. Can you take us through that and, and maybe give our listeners some examples? So Zetwork is a, is a manufacturing platform. We work with companies who want to get products made. We partner with these companies at the design phase. Then these products exist on, on a piece of paper, like just a hand-drawn sketch, or more complex, like CAD files in software. And, and what we have built is an infrastructure that can convert that design, that digital design into a product we can touch and feel. And, and we don't do the manufacturing ourselves. We rely on a lot of third-party small, small manufacturing vendors. We rely on the depth of the manufacturing ecosystem in India. But essentially, we, we solve for uh, matchmaking, we solve for fulfillment, we solve for pricing. But the, the core idea is you take a design and convert it into a physical product. What are some examples? Like what if what is that work manufactured? Yeah, so we we do a broad range of things. So the the simplest item could be like a like a steel pipe to something more complex like a aircraft engine component that goes into a Boeing or an Airbus, and we can service that whole spectrum. Fifty uh, percent of what we do is industrial products, so it'll be it'll be some version of a product going into an oil and gas refinery, uh, aerospace and defense component. Uh, transmission and distribution infrastructure, automobile components, so medical devices, you know. So I'll give another example, like uh, one of our customers in the US is a belt buckle manufacturer. So they make these fancy belt buckles and we do all the manufacturing for them in India. Another customer in the US is a uh, nail clipper manufacturer. So we build and assemble all the all these nail clippers in India. So it's a wide range of items uh, that's in industrials. We also do a lot of consumer products. Uh, we do Bluetooth headsets, speakers, T-shirts, denims. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a big range. So for example, if I wanted to, I guess, make a super fancy belt buckle, I would go on Zetworks website. I would contact you, or like you have a list of manufacturers there. Do I do I go on there? Do I source for the manufacturer, or do I upload my design? I guess, and then you do the matchmaking between me and the the manufacturer. How does that work? Yeah, so we, we do all of the heavy lifting ourselves. You know, so as a customer, you just give us the design. And then we'll figure out, firstly, what are the steps involved to get it made? You know, so what material is it? Is it steel? Is it aluminum? It's plastic? It's fabric? Uh, within that, what kind of manufacturing process do we employ? Uh, there, there's a big list of manufacturing processes. So, so there's something called machining, where you take a big block of metal and you chip till you reach the desired shape. 
then there's 3d printing which is the opposite of that where you 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 know essentially print a product into life like you, a physical paper so there's various ranges of manufacturing steps that are involved so first step is we identify okay to get this product what are the steps that are involved and then we find the right set of suppliers and then uh, then we built a whole set of software which tracks that entire execution journey from that design as an input to that physical product so there is quality there is tracking there is shipping lot of things go behind the scenes to get these products to life so when we wear a t-shirt we don't think about it sometimes how did this t-shirt make it to the retail outlet where i bought it from but there is a very complex supply chain that exists behind the scenes so we make it uh, come to life in some that's amazing you obviously solve the problems at each point within that supply chain so how did you come up with this idea and like why the manufacturing industry specifically my first job was at this company called itc which is a large consumer goods conglomerate in india when i joined uh, i was 22 23 and and they put me in charge of building a new factory for them and and i was literally a kid out of college i had no business building a factory but uh, i fell in love with manufacturing through that through that uh, two years where uh, i did pretty much everything you know starting with building the buildings to buying all the machines to designing software for that factory I, I took some detours in my career. I went to business school. I went with McKinsey. But when I came back, uh, and I was in the US for a bit. But when I came back to India, uh, I still re- I realized that the way I was doing this myself as a, as a as a user ten years back, nothing had changed. And I felt like there is so much opportunity to to a digitize, b make things more efficient, and it felt like a big unsolved problem at at that point in time. Right. Shilesh I'd like to bring you in on the conversation here like what are your thoughts on Amrit taking on what is a largely untouched industry I mean it's it's huge Yeah it's a, it was very unconventional uh I remember when Amrit and, and Shrinath came and talked to us about that work in the early days uh we realized they were exceptionally smart guys uh who were taking on something that you know in the past very few startups ventured into and so it was a, a little bit shocking uh it was like why are people this smart working on something that is this far out there And as we spent time with them, and we spent, um, we had three or four meetings. I remember in, in, in the in the early days, uh, we just realized, that, look, they had some unique insights. Uh, they were doing something that was was quite different than what other people had tried before, and they were just very very smart. And when people of this smart are taking on this big an industry, that's a that's a great sign for us. So we we were very excited to partner in the initial round uh, that uh, that that work was raising. You said you fell in love with manufacturing. Right, the entire process, and when you you came up with this, I, I guess you've already answered the the whole aha moment behind that work. What was the first thing you wanted to take on? When we started the business, and when we met Shailesh, it was a very different business than what we are doing today. We wanted to build software for people like me to manage hundreds of vendors in a way that is better than using a Google Sheet. I remember I was handling close to fifty, sixty million dollars of procurement at my first job. and i didn't have any good process it was just uh, you know keeping keeping track of things when i came back to india from the us and we were discovering we were exploring this idea we spoke to a lot of customers and and i remember one uh, vice president at lnt which is a large uh, construction company in in india showed me his inbox at 9 am and, and there were 100 100 emails and said i know exactly what you guys are trying to solve and it was a big again aha moment for us so we thought we'll build software to digitize this industry we took uh, an investment from shellish and 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 k and uh, we started building the product and then we went back to the same customers and said look we built exactly what you wanted 
and and they said two things i love the product but i don't i'm not a decision maker uh, i can introduce you to my it department or somebody else and that's when we realized that you know selling software in india is very tough uh, it's a long sales cycle there are too many decision makers but at the same time all these customers were asking us can i use your software to discover new suppliers and and that was like a and nobody was saying this in a very active way but if you listened enough that was what they were they were they were asking and that's why we pivoted the business in fact we we did the pivot before we had received for the, the funding uh, closed for the funding closed and i remember it was a tense tense meeting like <laughs> uh, we have uh, not even closed our round and we are going to do something very different but it went or something along the lines of yeah we we trust you guys i'm i'm curious what was going on in your mind then yeah it was one of those things that look we always felt selling software in india was going to be tough um and we've seen this across a number of companies that have tried to sell into to to india uh, india manufacturers or india enterprises overall um and we were really excited that what you were doing now was going to actually make money okay. uh so it was like okay we're going to earn some revenue very quickly out of this so it was it was a very easy thing to be supportive of you both have spoken about how difficult it is to sell software in india why is that and why was like if your software was you know answering a question or an issue that so many um people working in construction had why was it so difficult to get it off the ground yeah we faced two three uh, operational challenges like some part of it was just educating the market itself like a lot of questions we got initially was is your software cloud based or on prem which if you ask an american customer they don't ask these questions because they're very comfortable with cloud as a concept um and we knew that we didn't want to build a on prem services based business because that would be unscalable the second thing was we got from companies that oh i don't make any software decisions in india we i'm happy to introduce you to my cio in switzerland and then there's a third set of companies which are like oh i have a in house it team you know if you look at a lot of indian companies everybody has a it services business and they said oh i'll build it myself so these are some of the things we faced uh yeah i mean i think it's it's a cultural thing firstly people are just not used to doing it uh there it's typically been when you throw people at the problem uh and uh that you know spending money on software is you're not buying a tangible thing so you're what are, what are you really buying uh and if you really need it yeah you can build it yourself uh so you uh Uh, people have not seen the productivity gains from, from buying software in a big way. Yeah, but at the same time, like when we pivoted the business to being more transaction-led, a customers could still benefit from that software without actually having to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, like you said earlier, Amrit, people were using it to kind of like look through the database, right? Yeah. And that's when you realize, like, actually, there's an opportunity here that I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, it 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 came up through that and the way people used it. It also came up through the questions they asked us that you know, can you do X, Y, and Z? and 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 uh, and sometimes it was very explicit sometimes it was not so explicit but if you listened enough that that was essentially what they were asking i think another key insight that 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 work had in the early days was that you know they are the best users of their software themselves uh that a customer wouldn't be able to get the most out of it because the the organizational mindset the systems and the processes and the motivation uh, to to use it well uh is something that that uh, they have they have much more in house than they can imbibe on a customer and with that like the real ben- business benefits of being able to make something better faster cheaper uh with more predictability uh is something that they can give to all their customers in a transaction oriented way yeah ultimately like if you look at why customers come to us today they want a product made they want it made faster they want it made with the right quality and ideally as cheap as possible and and these are things which by themselves are big enough problems how do you make them faster how do you make it with the right quality
and and uh, and that's what we have been able to kind of solve for for these customers in a way that to them feels like the click of a button in some way where they outsource that problem to us uh, we use our we we are completely technology first in our in all our approach and and uh, and those benefits get perceived in terms of uh, these additional metrics versus being uh, users of software themselves yeah like many software implementations fail inside customers and they fail for mostly cultural reasons and then you don't have that when 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 they are their own users yeah so you went through not necessarily the software approach but you know this is the, like actual manufacturing i'll just put you in touch with the manufacturers and provide a solution I mean, end that, to we, end. We, we went through a journey there as well. Like the first time we pivoted, we actually built a, what we call a pure marketplace where we essentially, a customer said, I want this product made and we gave them a list of five suppliers uh, and you pick whoever you want to work with. And they picked supplier X and they gave them an order. And then three months later, they, they came back to us saying, hey, this supplier is a bad supplier. Uh, you know, he is not delivering on his promise or so many issues are there. And then we can't do anything because we are not part of the transaction. We can say, okay, we can find you a different supplier. But by then already three months has gone. They're unhappy and they're not unhappy with the supplier. They're unhappy with us so, uh, saying, you know, we, we, we are behind schedule or blah, blah, blah. And then we went back to the supplier saying, hey, why do you do this? Why do you take an order you can't uh, service? And they gave again a list of operational reasons. They were very India-specific reasons, you know, that uh, some of them were very genuine that, oh, you know, I had a labor problem in my factory or, or I had, I was not able to arrange a truck to ship product or, or um, you know, I was not able to buy raw material on time. And, and, uh, and that's when we realized, okay, if you really want to truly make a difference in this industry, that you can't, you actually need to go one level deeper. And that's when we made the second pivot, uh, which is finally where we are as a business, where now we take the order, so the customer to the customer, we are the supplier of record, and and we'll we'll get it done for you, at whatever uh, way possible, and and uh, we run this marketplace in, internally. And one of the models which we innovated, and it's it's kind of um, interesting to call it real innovation, is that uh, we introduced this concept of parallel manufacturing. Like when a customer gives us an order, we distribute it to five suppliers, ten suppliers, whereas previously they used to do it once to one. It feels like a very simple thing. But it completely transformed our business because yeah, one supplier may fail, two may fail, but all 10 won't fail. And hence, dramatically, the, the results we saw were um, the faster uh, uh, productivity and, and, and uh, faster time to market. But then there's an operational complexity that you're managing hundreds of suppliers, whereas instead you could manage one. And that's not possible unless you have great software. So that's when the whole business kind of flywheel uh, started clicking for us that, you know, can we build a large operationally complex business um, servicing these customer requirements at scale uh, and across different categories now that we are present? So our earliest categories were these categories. They were custom but not complex. You can't go to a shop and buy a door. You have to get it made. But if your door is off by a millimeter here and there, do you really care? You don't. So, so that really allowed us to pick and work with customers who could give us that initial revenue allow us to build that software, allow us to build that operational footprint through which over a period of time, we, we have started doing more complex things. When we build an aircraft engine component that's ultimately going into an aircraft, even a millimeter here off here and there is big because you the stakes are very high. Uh, but still we are able to service that because we have gotten there over a period of time and, and we have become, you know, 
strong building blocks, strong foundations to 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 allow us to do these things. What's an example of like a, a challenge that you face? Like you know, a customer gave gave in an order, and can you tell us a story around that? Yeah, I mean, see, these are the very uh, operational challenges. You know, at the supplier level, you get to hear all kinds of things because you're interacting with people. I can give an example of these folks. So my my, my co-founder Srinath's father ran a small manufacturing unit. He was an engineer his entire life. He worked at this company called BHL, uh, and then when he quit, he set up a shop, and BHL was his only customer. So for for ten years, he had a single customer, and his fortunes ebbed and flowed with the with the you know luck of his customer. So these companies are extremely customer concentrated, and they are all hardcore engineers. They don't like going doing sales they don't like uh, you know doing anything else except working in the shop floor um so when you go and talk to these folks and say you know why don't you work with another customer i'll i'll introduce you to a new customer and the first thing they say new customer is equal to risk new customer is not equal to opportunity you know like i'm based out of south india this new customer is based out of north india i can't talk to them in the same language uh sometimes the reasons are as cultural as that sometimes it is oh if this customer has not paid me on time if it's a local customer i can go to their office and sit in their office for 5 hours and get my payment out but if it's somebody in a different part of the country how do i do that so there's a big trust deficit in in india uh it goes the other way also like when you ask customers why did your suppliers delay and you'll hear all kinds of reasons like you know mix of professional and personal you know i went for my friend's wedding i was not available and that of course you know you can understand to a certain point So, part of the reason why we I feel we we succeeded in some way is that we solved for that trust deficit that exists in the market. Um, some of it is cultural, some of it is real issues that need to be solved at the, at the last mile. And how have you solved for it? Is it mostly word of mouth, manufacturers talking about that work? Yeah. So, if you uh, look at the NPS of the industry, how many suppliers would recommend a customer and vice versa? It's a negative NPS industry, you know. So. most customers don't like the suppliers they work with and vice versa and it's been there for decades now uh, so so the bar is low that's so that was <laughs> that was the first point sometimes it is as simple as when the customer expects an answer you answer back in 24 hours that itself was a big big uh, improvement from the status quo but then we looked at data also a manufacturing has many steps step 1 is you have to buy the raw material step 2 is you have to do the manufacturing and then you ultimately ship it 80% of the delays happen in step 1 because they don't have capital to buy the raw material on time or various reasons they they are very sensitive to price they want to buy it at the best possible price they're okay to wait another extra week if they feel they'll get a better price but all of it comes at the cost of delays and and things and india is a country where end of the day people have uh, more time than money they don't assign a monetary cost to time and we didn't look at the problem that way for us time was the most important thing so if 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 the expectation is 30 days how can we create the entire infrastructure to make sure that things happen in 30 days and some of that meant that yeah we have to help our suppliers buy raw material faster so we had to set up that whole again we are we are solving problems which our suppliers face so we are going one level deeper even today uh, at the beginning i think as a company we have never shied away from from those real issues that uh if you understand what the problem is then the solution becomes evident and then, then do you want to solve it or not that's amazing so you've really taken on a lot of challenges head on 
you know, one of those challenges, the manufacturing industry was really impacted by COVID. How did you take on those challenges and how did you overcome them? Us as a company were heavily impacted by COVID. The impact was largely around the fact that the entire country was shut for, for a period of almost six months, which meant that, uh, you know, physically the suppliers, factories were not, not operational. And, and we had this downtime for uh, three to four months. Before COVID, we were a single category business. So we had only one category in which we had uh, built a sales team, we had built an operations team, etc. And, and then when we were, we were having so much downtime, uh, we started brainstorming, okay, how do we not diversify the business, but like, how do we solve for these things in next time something like this happens, right? So one of the ideas that came up from the company is that, uh, look, we have looked at the company as a horizontal. Uh, so we were uh, solving for this category called steel fabrication. But there were a lot of specific use cases in various industries, like oil and gas had a different language, uh, aerospace had a different language, etc. So we split the company into five in some way. And we ran it in a completely decentralized manner. Uh, that there were different people who were uh, uh, experts in these categories. And you build out your own sales team. There was a little bit of, I would say, maybe uh, flab that got built in that in that in that journey, but we, the benefit we got was speed. Like uh, nobody was interdependent on each other, and and that really worked well for us. Uh, today we have many lines of businesses, um, and and uh, they they each contribute to uh, revenue at scale. Yeah, because I remember you said you know your revenue dropped by ninety percent during COVID, and that's when you had to also take up manufacturing of healthcare products. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it started off purely philanthropically, like uh, we had a lot of time, in all honesty. So we thought, how can we help the country? So this was a point where finding a mask was difficult. And a lot of core demand had fallen. In uh, April, May 2020, if you look at the news headlines, a lot of the headlines were, oh, we don't have PPE kits for doctors and they're going into hospitals and it's unsafe. And we found that a lot of apparel companies had that capability and expertise. They couldn't solve for demand. They could, didn't know how to sell to hospitals. So we thought, okay, let's solve that problem for them, but purely as a philanthropic initiative. Um, it started with that. And sometimes, you know, the best way to do philanthropy is actually to do business. So we did that for six months. Uh, but again, after some time, we realized that, uh, you know, it's not something we want to do for the long run. But during that process, that's how our apparel business started, actually, because we were interacting with so many garment manufacturers who had become PPE kit manufacturers that we talked to them, okay, what next? And they said, oh, we have these same challenges, which sounded very similar to the challenges we were hearing from our industrial uh, suppliers. And so we felt that, okay, this is, this is a very natural pivot or an extension for us. Right, and this was like one of the five different pillars mm -hmm. that you then ended up building out. Yes. I think one of the key things, again, that work has done is, is they found a new operating model uh, for, for making things. Uh, what they've really innovated in is, is project management uh, using technology. Uh, they're able to deliver things with more predictability, with uh, better performance, and use suppliers in, in a more uh, in a greater way. Um, like I think they're they're able to to increase utilization at, at their suppliers, which lowers costs, so stuff that they can pass on to 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 their end customers. I'll give an example of this. So, so when we when we get a order from a customer, it starts with getting a bunch of drawings, which are essentially design files. An order which is worth let's say a crore we'll have almost 100 drawings. And you get all these drawings in email, and, and then you have to assign it to different suppliers. A lot of mistakes get made in step one itself. You sometimes give the same drawings to many suppliers, so they over-manufacture. 
um, you give the set of drawings to a wrong set of suppliers. So the first product we built was something as simple as a Dropbox for drawings, where all these drawings were digitized in one format and they could be assigned to the people you ultimately end up working with. We built various recipes for manufacturing, basis a product that we get. We can say, okay, this is a fabrication plus machining. This requires painting, this requires galvanization. And when you, when you tag a drawing with a recipe, everything else is automated. That, okay, for this recipe, there are 10 steps to manufacture. Step one is buying raw materials. Step two is cutting, finishing, etc. Ultimately, it gets dispatched. And more importantly, for each step, you say, this is how much time we think it should take. Step one should take five days. Step two should take 10 days. And then when it does not happen, because you keep track of that information on the ground, then automatically a lot of flags get generated within the, within the whole system. That, okay, something has gone different from plan. And that's when you step in. So if you didn't have the software, you would apply a hammer to a nail approach. You would have to just do everything, you know, in a very high touch way. But now we are able to step in only when required. If things are going as per plan, we don't have anything to do. You know, we just quietly monitor and, and move on. But when things don't go as per plan, there's a whole set of initiatives that we can we can deploy. And it's all done in a very automated manner. And I think, look, just the, the business of making things uh, is something that has been around the world in really every category that, that stuff is made in, whether it's construction, manufacturing, apparel manufacturing, whatever it is, uh, is something that is, has very little digitization and re results on heroics by someone to, to, to pull off making anything. Uh, what Zetwork tries to do is automate a lot of the steps their project managers still probably do very heroic things, but uh, a lot less and, and a lot of the basics be accounted for. Also, there's a lot of parallelization you, you can do that while you're waiting for something to happen, some other process can come in. Uh, that typically requires like someone to be thinking about that. But if you can implement all those processes in software, you could, you could save a, a lot of time and, and, and just be much more predictable. It's a lot of mental load as well for your team members to take on and for you. Yes. How do you work through that? You know, we have a very engineering first approach. A lot of time it's software engineering. But, you know, if I look at the people in, that are there in a company, 70% of them would be engineers in some form or the other. Even our sales people are former engineers. So, so the approach which comes because of that is every time we find a problem, there is a process which takes care of that so that it never happens again. Uh, so, so... Some of it is a little bit naivety also. We didn't really know how big <laughs> the challenge was when we started. Uh, but the good thing is we continuously fall in love with, with what we're trying to do. But at the same time, when you combine it with systems thinking, problems that happen once, they don't happen again. And that gives us peace of mind, largely. They're, they're also fortunate that uh, the core technology and processes they built could just be applied to, to yes. other places. They, they, they found that the, the same methods worked in many more spaces than I think we had all dreamed of in, in the early days. That's amazing and easily replicable, yes. right, across industries. So before COVID, all your revenue came from India. Now, at least 20% comes from international markets, but nearly your entire team is in India, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? How did you manage to figure out to have an international business without an overseas footprint? It kind of happened accidentally, to be honest. I think we were having a hands full with, with our Indian customers. But last year, a lot of changes happened globally. The number one change was, you know, China, which for is a bedrock of manufacturing for most countries. There was a lot of uh, volatility with that supply chain and, and that impact was felt in uh, markets like the US. And a lot of companies started thinking, 
should be diversified supply chains outside of a single country. Uh, so they call it China plus one as a strategy, which means that they're looking for newer countries where they can contract manufacturing to. And India is one of those countries which benefited from that trend. We have 200 plus customers in the US. We have not met a single one of these customers yet uh, because we haven't traveled. A lot of that came inbound, that customers came to us saying, hey, we are looking for alternatives. Uh, can you help us out? And, and like any good startup, any new thing, we said yes and said, okay, let's, let's, let's see where this leads. Over a period of time, we realized that, you know, there are good models already in existence. And we looked at Freshworks as an example, where, you know, they've really uh, solved this sales challenge through marketing campaigns, email campaigns, uh, lead generation through LinkedIn, through, through you know, websites. Uh, have a different process at the beginning of the funnel, have a separate process at the end of the funnel. So we have people in the US, we have four or five people, but they get involved only to close the deal. All the prospecting, all the onboarding, all the educating these customers, all those solving basic FAQs, all of them happens from India. And there are good parallels in the ecosystem already. And we, we, we looked at what already existed and we adapted it to our context. That's amazing. If you had to give an aspiring founder just one piece of critical advice that made a difference to your company, what would it be? It's difficult to say one, but like I think the number one thing that has helped us is we have this attitude of done is better than perfect. I think uh, speed is a gives a lot of energy to any early stage company, and and for us the first critical test of that was when we were solving for enterprise sales. It's still a good business, but it would have just taken longer. The feedback loops would have been longer. And we felt that we would not be able to achieve as much in the time period that we had if we stuck to that model. We could have just said, this is how we are and, and, and just gone with it. But sometimes uh, it's important to listen to feedback from the market and, and, and decide whether you want to adopt or not. And that's where beyond product market fit, there's also founder market fit. You know, is this a business you want to be in? And I think just being honest about that is important. Sometimes, you know, these things unravel over a period of time, but if you can shortcut that time process and, and say that, you know, I'm being true to myself and true to the business that I'm building, these uh, things that would ordinarily take you 12 months, you can get to that answer in a month. Um, and I think that's something we have done well and I hope we continue to do well, even as at scale, it, it gets harder. And that was clearly something that was very, very clear to you from the beginning, right? Like it's not often you meet someone who says, I fell in love with manufacturing. We, we fell in love with the industry. Uh, but within the industry, we are flexible in terms of the problem, the solution that we had. We, we knew the problem, but the solution can be A, B, C. And if you're flexible about that, then, then you can create a large business. I think one of the really interesting things that work has done is shown the potential of manufacturing from markets like India. Uh, that there was lots of suppliers with you know, good skill sets that didn't know how to market themselves. They didn't know their skill sets were applicable for, for other, other industries. Uh, and they couldn't access uh, international demand. And so that work is showing that actually Indian manufacturing can be very competitive. It can be something that certainly employs a lot of people. Uh, it's something that can contribute a lot to, uh, to overall development. Of, of the country. What are three things, Shailesh, that Zetwork did really well um, that aspiring founders should consider implementing in their startups? One, that uh, they very much listen to their customers and they listen, as I said, very closely. Uh, customers don't know exactly what they want, but they, they can give you clues and hints 
that can lead you to, to figure out what is the real opportunity that, that is in front of them. Um, second, they really retain their culture, uh, that uh, their focus on, on performance, on delivery, uh, on actually beating their numbers every time. I can't remember very many months where Zetwork doesn't exceed their, their, their forecasts and plans. They're trying to be something that is, that is very predictable. And lastly, that they increased their ambition as, as they saw success. They weren't content with uh, where they were. Uh, and as they saw more opportunity, they were able to just paint on a much wider canvas than, than, than earlier. Armit, what are your thoughts on India's manufacturing industry? How is it changing? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of depth to manufacturing in India. Um, I think some of it has taken us by surprise as well. Um, I think what India historically lacked was that ecosystem which enabled one plus one to be 10. Like if you look at China, the thing they do really well is that for a specific ecosystem, everything is available within a, let's say 100 kilometer radius. Things are very predictable. If you say 30 days, it takes 30 days or, or, or there's no negative surprises by and large. India is not there yet. You know, if you, if you uh, want to get products made, there's still a lot of barriers you need to cross and mostly they break things, things break at the last mile. But there are pockets where the manufacturing is world class. And if you take a long enough time horizon, the pockets are just expanding incrementally and exponentially. So what we see as our role as a business is how can we catalyze that even further? If something will take five years in a normal course, uh, can we make it a year? And we are very excited about it. You know, I think uh, the fact that 20, 25% of our revenue comes from outside India. These are customers who had never bought from India before. And they would have found it very difficult to navigate India as a market if they hadn't found us. And we see our role over a period of time, just shaping the manufacturing ecosystem within the country and really elevating India to where it deserves to be over a period of time. I think uh, one of the other things, maybe more tongue in cheek, is that no one had really tried in, in, in a lot of different categories. Uh, that uh, people just felt it was too hard, it was impossible, uh, that these skill sets weren't, weren't available. Uh, and it took a little bit of naivety, it took a little bit of, of luck, it took a little bit of you know, good fortune with the way the, the world is developing uh, for, for people to be forced to do stuff. And uh, Zetwork was able to uncover that, look, you can actually be very competitive, uh, and be world class in, in manufacturing in India. And today we're trying to do that. Uh, so most of our customers are, are enterprise scale customers. Customers would be companies like a GE or a Siemens or within India, Tata Steel, LNT. What we have launched recently is this program called Zetwork Build, through which we want to give back to the to the ecosystem in some way. If you're an early stage company, you're trying to design and build a new product, manufacturing is the last thing you should be worried about. And it's it, because you want to spend all your creative energies, uh, whether you're an industrial designer or, a, or, a, or an apparel designer, you want to spend your energies in, on the front end. What is the best possible uh, product that I can bring to market? And for these companies, we've launched this program where manufacturing will be like a click of a button. You just focus your energies. We will take care of finding the right suppliers. We will uh, you know, handhold that entire journey. And we have done it for almost 10 companies right now. These are all early stage companies across robotics, medical devices, uh, warehouse automation kind of industries. And uh, the idea is to give more creative space to the next generation of hardware entrepreneurs. So that you know, this one problem that is somewhat solved for, and you can spend your energies on newer products. Right, so you're giving that creative space, allowing them to focus on the creative aspects yes. while taking away the pains of manufacturing. For most entrepreneurs, those are the reasons they started that business in the first place. You know, They identified a gap on the product side, but when they actually started building the business, they realized, oh, there's this whole complex layer of 
you know manufacturing involved and and it's not everyone's cup of tea but it is our cup of tea so we would love to have them and that's exactly why you started Zenworker yes. right? <laughs> thank you so much uh, amrit and shailesh for taking the time to speak to us today and talking about how Zetwork is digitizing the manufacturing uh, industry in India. I've been speaking to Amrit Acharya and Shailesh Lakhani on this episode of Moonshot. For more interesting startup stories, visit our website, sequoiacap.com, or follow us on your favorite podcast channel.